Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hello, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm Davey, your host. And I am your co-host, Aubrey Sampson. Aubrey, we are in the last episode of this adoption series. I'm really excited about it because this guest is, man, hopefully some of our listeners have heard of him. He's um, fairly well-known, Sam Collier. Yeah, uh, he's a great preacher. I feel like a lot of our listeners will have, or at least now they're going to be yeah, inspired to, right? Yeah, well, absolutely. But maybe maybe even as as he kind of unfolds his story a little mm. bit, some people might be, oh, yeah, I remember that, or I've yep. seen that, or whatever. But uh, it's yep. a really cool story about adoption. And um, just very unique the way his adoption story unfolded in the sense of how he met his, you know, biological mom specifically. And, uh, and, and he's, he says something in this episode that, man, when, when he said that, he, I was like, wow, that, that is so profound and it's so helpful for all of us to understand this. But it's, he said something about the other side, on the other side of surrender mm. is blessing or the miraculous or God comes through when, yeah. when you surrender to him, but yeah. there's like this faith step process that, yeah. uh, it's like a prerequisite, an act of faith. And, uh, I was just thinking about that in terms of, man, that is just such a true statement, but it's also very, um, <laughs> it's very un- unnerving to think about. I think you know? it's a hard statement, right? And yeah. we I, we can tend to go, oh, well, that's legalism or something, right? right like what right. you're saying is I have to, I don't know, I have to earn God's favor. I have to, but I, I don't think that's at all what no. he's saying. Mm-mm. I think it's not about God's love for you or God's acceptance for you. Yeah. It's that on the other side of obedience, on the other side of surrender, there's fruitfulness, mm-hmm. right? And yep. there's blessing and there's kingdom advancement. And I mean, his story is obviously a really powerful one of that, but I mean, that's the whole Bible, right? really. Think about the life of Jesus who surrendered everything on the other side of that was obviously miracle for generations and for eternity, right? Well, what what does scripture tell us about Jesus' sacrifice? For the joy set before him, Mm. he endured the cross. There was something on the other side of the cross that a promise that he knew of, but the only way to, the portal to that promise was surrender, was death. Yeah. Yeah. Was him laying it all down. You know, Uh, the same thing is true about Abraham. Yep. Right. He, like he knew the promise that God had for him when it comes to his son, Isaac, Mm-hmm. And scripture tells us that the reason he was willing to lay down Isaac as a sacrifice is because he believed that God would raise him from the dead right, because he knew right. there was a promise, but he knew there was also going to be some kind of sacrifice. I mean, you look at the story of the children of Israel crossing the Jordan River yep. where they had to put their feet in the river first before yep. God would part the waters. I, You know, you, I'm just even hearing you say that I'm thinking there's Hannah and there's Moses's mom and there's Mary. I mean, there's like countless yeah. uh, themes of this throughout scripture right. where um, God calls you to take a step of surrender, but then actually I think wants to see us take that first step yeah. and then we get to see what's on the other side of it. I was thinking about when um, my son Nolan had spinal cord surgery. So mm-hmm. this would be 2004. Now, so it's yep. been a long time. Um, no, sorry, 2015. He wasn't born in 2005. 
we uh, we ended up having like thousands of dollars of medical bills mm. and my parents really generously had offered to help us pay those mm. and so we went to my mom one day and said hey here's kind of what the total is i mean it was like tens of thousands of yeah. dollars um you know humbly you offered to help is there any way you would and my mom was like aubrey i know we offered but i have prayed about this and felt like we're not supposed to help you anymore. Mm. And it was this moment of like, but you said you would. So anyway, in interestingly, in my mom's obedience to God, we were almost forced into obedience. Like, okay, God, we're going to trust you. You're going to take care of it. Yeah. Yeah. And then like a few weeks later, we got a letter from the hospital. Our entire bill was covered. Wow. And that is one of those miraculous things where we it wasn't really a sacrifice on our part except to trust yep. and to trust that the Holy Spirit was listening to my mom and then look at what God did. Unbelievable. Wow. Yeah, unbelievable. Well, and I, I want to underscore this that, you know, you're right. This is not this in no way is the salvation relationship, right? Or That's the right. or God's favor type thing. That, yeah. There is nothing that we can do to merit or earn salvation from God. Right. Right? The salvation experience where now we are declared righteous because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, where we are imputed that righteousness, where we no longer, like we, God does not look at us, God the Father does not look at us as sinful anymore. Mm, he yeah. sees the the bloodstained cross. He sees Jesus and his yeah. righteousness that yeah. covers ours. And that has nothing to do with what we have done. So this is not a, well, take a step in the water, and that earns some kind of. And therefore, you're saved. Sa- therefore, salvation. God loves you. No, yeah. Yeah. This is right. this is the after the fact, right? This is That's the right. okay. Now, as I'm following the Lord, He's going to require even right. Scripture tells us, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Yeah. And so He's going to require from us faith steps because faith is something you have to exercise out. It's a muscle. Yeah. The only way it grows is if you have to exercise it, or, or if, or if there is a uh, a situation that requires you to act, even when it doesn't make sense, or right. even when you can't see the result on the other side of it. That is faith. That's the very definition of faith. And so, um, in the process of sanctification, in the process of, of us following after Jesus, there's going to constantly be this this. Uh, call or invitation from him to say, Hey, I want you to step in the water here. This doesn't make sense. This is scary. This is difficult, but watch when you do those floodwaters apart. Yeah. And, 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 and throughout scripture, it's, it's laced all throughout it, that this is the experience of interacting with a good and loving Jesus who is inviting us into a greater story than ours. I think too, like just thinking about we're doing a we're doing a sermon series right now on the book of James, right? And and that's I mean kind of a different version, but the same thing. Like if you have faith, yeah, your hands and your feet and your mouth are gonna reveal that, are gonna right. tell you. Right. So there are invitations from God beyond just that initial, uh, put your faith in him so that you get to experience more of his blessing and more of his goodness and more of, um, your identity being reoriented to his identity, who he says you are. So that's, what's fascinating too, is that like God calls us into these things that are hard and scary and 
don't make sense, like mm-hmm. you said. But what we end up experiencing on the other side is not just this miraculous thing that God does, but like goodness for us yeah. and and his faithfulness in our lives. And we end up going, oh, I'm so thankful I obeyed you, God. I'm so thankful yep. that I listened yep. because look at what you did. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. Well, this is something that Sam's going to talk about, along with many other themes in regards to his story and how he is living out of this place of acceptance versus abandonment. And I love that he's doing this. I love that this is a the end of our adoption series because thematically it couldn't fit more perfectly, yeah. not just with his story, but also the things that he talks about in terms of the theology of mm. adoption, how he's living that out and how he's being a, a mouthpiece now for the entire world. Yeah, it's amazing. To understand amazing what God's done God his as, the, as the father, as, 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 a, as someone who is um, helping his identity be shaped in who he has created him to be. So let's listen to this conversation I have with Sam. Sam, it's so great to have you on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Thanks for joining me. Davey. Did I say it right? Yep, Davey? you said it right. That's right, Davey. <laughs> it is just such an honor to be on here. I um, I know we spent some time even before pressing record unpacking what God has done in your story and in your life. And, you know, I just want to say, I mean, I, I don't think, you know, the story's still being written yeah. for you and for your family and shout out to your wife, right? Your now wife, yep. um, yep. and what you guys have done. And you, I think we talked about a kid, yeah. um, as well. <laughs> and all redemption these, baby. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> right. Redemption baby, man. And I, you know, I, I could, I mean, I see all types of things potentially coming out of this from movies to minute, even more ministry stuff, but I just want to thank you for, um, for not giving up mm. and, for not giving in and, and, and leveraging, I know we'll talk about this in a second, your pain for, for our purpose mm. that we, one that I would, that we would have a platform to even talk about a lot of brokenness that we all go through, but that others would have something to dive into um, when they're going through some things. Yeah. And I know we, I know I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to take over the show, but what I am <laughs> Sorry, saying, that's what you do, man. You're a podcaster and you're, <laughs> <laughs> You're always on the media, that media band. So that's great. I love it. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm just honored, bro. And to, I think, you know, you, you, you pastored and now you're yeah. doing this full time. I definitely think the Lord was in that and he's called you to the nations and um, not to just one location, but to the, to serve the global church. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's so apparent, bro. And I'm just honored uh, to know you and to be connected. Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate I appreciate those words. Very, very encouraging. One of the, I was I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while because what I know about you is is you love to talk about people's stories, and yeah. uh, and you you understand the thread of redemption that God brings into every one of our stories if we're willing to open up our our hearts and our lives to Him. And uh, in fact, you've written this book called A Greater Story, which is yeah seems like it's kind of up to this point kind of the, the life theme the work that you've really dedicated your life yeah. to is helping people understand the greater story that God has in the midst of their story. So because of that, I'm excited about getting into your story <laughs> and seeing where all of this began as a, because sure. you know that what we like to tell people is that God wants to take what the enemy meant for evil. He wants to use it for good. And we just have to position ourselves for that redemption. And you, you have done that. And so Sam, why, why don't you kind of take us back and, and start Talk to us a little bit about specifically 
uh, surrounding, you know, your adoption and everything, but take us back to kind of the beginning of the story where, where the enemy and the things that were coming against you were threatening to disrupt your destiny. And, um, and let's walk along your story and see what God has brought out of it. Yeah, man. You know, again, grateful to tell it, grateful to be a part of this. Um, you talk about this idea of a greater story and that kind of being the mantra of all of this. And, you know, I always say, you know, I, when I got into this, it, this wasn't something I planned. I mean, I think, which I think you understand, right? right? It's Every like, one of us like, man, <laughs> <laughs> you're like, did not how did coming. I end up? And I did not, I would not have thrown that curveball right. in. Um, and, uh, you know, so just by the grace of God stumbled, mm. I think into impact through overcoming and all of these other things, um, which we'll, which we'll walk our way up to man. And lo- long story short, my life started in poverty, um, extreme poverty. Before the adoption was able to take place, my mother was in the hospital with um, my three brothers and sisters that I, that I didn't know I had until about four or five years ago, which we'll get to. Oh, wow. um, and she had me and my twin sister. So she's 21 in the hospital with three kids and she just has two more. So five kids age 21. Wow. And uh, dad had left the picture because he was addicted to all types of substances, drug abuse, so on and so forth. In fact, um, if we fast forward to today, about three months ago, we lost my biological father from COVID-19 in New York City when New York City was the hotbed. Um, And he had diabetes. I've never met him, talked to him twice. He had diabetes and walked out of the hospital in New York city to go and to go and get drugs, contracted COVID-19 on the streets, went back to the hospital, passed away. Jeez. And I tell you that to flash back to my mother being 21 and in the hospital, um, and our father not being there because of how long substance abuse has been a part of his life and how, how much of a grip it has had, on him. And uh, so here my mother is faced with a decision. Do I raise them in poverty or give them up for adoption in hopes that everything will work out? And, um, and so she sends us up the river like Moses Wow. wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, and prays that everything will work out. And, um, and don't get too sad because we do get adopted <laughs> by, um, a lovely couple who had met about a year prior to that in Washington, D.C. on a Sunday afternoon at 3 p.m. in the laundromat. Um, and now my, my dad, and I, I refer to my dad now as my adoptive dad, yeah. the one who adopted me and raised me. My dad that raised me and adopted us usually went to the laundromat on a Sunday around this time, I mean, on a Saturday, around this time, he was around 51, 52 mm. years old in the middle of his second divorce um, and decided to go on a Sunday. <laughs> and mm. So he's walking around the laundromat, washing clothes, um, doing his thing. My mother who adopted us, um, who raised us, was also in the laundromat on this Sunday, but for a different reason. The night before she had been hit in the head with a hammer by her ex, now her ex-husband. And she got up the next morning saying, by any means necessary, I have to get out of this situation. 
So she got up, put a gun in her purse and said, I need an alibi. I'm going to the laundromat because she was getting ready to go kill him. So if anybody wanted to know where she was at 3 p.m. on a Sunday, she was at the laundromat. So she's walking around the laundromat looking crazy. And my dad walks up to her and is like, what's up? You know, and she's like, get on, get on. You know, just, <laughs> you know, when you're getting ready to go do a crime <laughs> and somebody interrupts your flow, you're like, get away from me now, right? Um, and wow. so long story short, bro, they, they, they end up walking out of the laundromat together hmm. and they never look back. My mom doesn't go through, obviously would kill it, but she does manage to get a divorce. My dad gets a divorce and they start dating and they give their life to Christ for the first time. Wow. And again, I want to remind you, my dad's like 51 at the time. So this is, I'm, he's 84 now. I'm 32, 30, 32. Yeah, 32. <laughs> yeah, once you get, once you like, get over 30, you're like, I don't even remember now. <laughs> right. It's like, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm in my Jesus age. You know, about 33. That is a marker I, right there. When I hit 33, I was like, hey man, if I make it past this, it's all extra. It's all gravy. Cause you know, Jesus. <laughs> and then I started getting depressed because I was like, well, Jesus changed the world by 33. What have yeah. I done? You know? <laughs> Uh. exactly <laughs> so uh, yeah I, I knew i wasn't 31 i know i'm not 33 here. so 32 so he was in the last chapter of his life mm -hmm. and he's and um he gives his life to jesus both of them and after they get saved they start um dating more courting they get married after they get married they realize my mother can't have kids mm. so my mom comes to my dad she says, I've always wanted to have kids. Um, can we at least adopt? And he said, yeah. Um, but if we adopt him, I want to make sure we adopt him from birth because I don't want anybody coming along and saying I wasn't there oh, wow. from the beginning. And so they leave Washington, D.C., fly down to Atlanta, Georgia, where, they're now, where they were now living or then living, and then drove down to Augusta an hour out where me and my twin sister had just been given up for adoption two months prior. Walk over to our crib, tell the adoption home, we want them. The adoption lady who's running the home says, you don't want them. They're probably not going to be much because of where they come from. In fact, they're probably, probably going to be mentally challenged. Um, crack cocaine, addiction, poverty, welfare. If, you, if you're able to ever see our um, adoption papers, it, it traced a lot of my mother's steps, biological mother's steps back to a prostitution house. Now, we don't know if she was prostituting or if she was just living there, uh, but it, it was a dark past. And so the lady, and here's the big point, the lady that was running the home counted us out from the beginning. Wow. You've seen the movie War Room or at least heard about it by the yep. Kendrick brothers. Um, the concept of War Room is that you would find a, a closet and turn it into a prayer closet. Right in your house. Um, and it would be your war room where you go to war in the spirit. And so my parents start to form their own little version of a war room in the adoption home. And they ask God, what would he, what is he saying about this? We hear what she's saying, but what are you saying? Mm -hmm. And God, they said, God said to them, these are your kids they're, and they're going to be okay. Wow. So they adopt us anyway, take us home. Long story short, bro, my sister gets all A's from kindergarten up to 12th grade, becomes an industrial engineer, dual scholarship to Spelman in Georgia Tech. Jeez. And, you know, I'm here on nothing is wasted. 
<laughs> so one of the God smaller gigs that you have done in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, God has gone on to, wow. you know, he's blessed me with television and radio and, you know, we've been able to reach millions over the last four years, just with the message of Christ and, yeah. and um, with the idea of a greater story, God really did turn a mess into a miracle. Wow. Um, the last part of the story that I'll leave you with, and then I'm going to throw it back to you is, you know, some years go by after, you know, we kind of grow up and we do have a little bit of a family tradition in our house called NFL football. I don't know if you have that tradition, but we have oh, yeah. that tradition. Okay. <laughs> so we were watching, uh, we were doing the tradition on a, on a Sunday and again, a yeah. Sunday. Yeah. And, um, my dad, he, he kind of breaks the rules of the tradition the, and the rules are that you don't talk during the game. If you talk, you got to get out. And so he starts yelling at us and he says, you need to go find your parents. You need to go find your parents. We were like, what, what are you talking? He said, well, you could grow up one day and marry your cousin and you would never know it. <laughs> I said, this bed is great. He said, and God told me, cause he had a, my dad also had a barbershop down on Auburn Avenue where I grew up, um, the birthplace of civil rights. He said, God told me while I was watching the Steve Harvey show that Steve Harvey was going to help you do it. I said, you lost your body. Right? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I find out two weeks later, he convinced my sister to write into the show. She wrote in because she said, nobody's going to write us back. A year goes by. Lady calls me um, from the Steve Harvey show, Dorothy, and she says, hey, this is my first week on the job. They put a hundred stories on my desk. Yours is the top story. We think we can help you find your biological family. Do you want to do it? Wow. I said, let me call you back. I call my sister. Do you want to do it? She says, no, <laughs> but I feel like we have to, this doesn't just happen. Yeah. And so uh, they fly us up. When we get there, they say, we haven't found anybody. We hired a private detective. We're sorry, but we want to bring you on the show to make a plea. So they bring us on the show and they go to commercial, come back after commercial. And Steve Harvey says, hey, I know I told you we didn't find anybody, but that's not the case. Your biological mother is here. Eleanor, come on out. And we meet our biological mother for the first time after 25 years, national television. And then he says, and your siblings are here. And we meet them for the first time. Wow. That's the greater story, bro. Wow. Describe that experience meeting them on national television for the very first time. What was that like for you? I mean, it's one of the, that's gotta be one of those moments where you almost get lost in the moment, you know, yeah. what, what was going on in yeah. your heart? I think, um, <laughs> if you get a chance to watch the clip, just Google Sam Collier, Steve Harvey, it'll pop up. Um, you'll be able to see it. Um, it was, it was surreal. Yeah. Uh, but I was in shock. That's the best, the best word I have for it. in shock. So many emotions, didn't know which one to choose. I put my head down to get myself together. And God said to me, snap out of it. You're on national TV and your mother is here. So you need to, we'll deal with these emotions later. Mm. And so I just, I, I, I stood up and I embraced her, man. And, um, you know, the journey began. So it's been, it's been almost, I guess I'm 32. So about seven years. Yeah. Since that happened. So fresh. Hey friends, Davey here. I have a question for you. Do you have a heart for helping other people navigate their personal trauma, tragedies, or major life transitions? 
If you do, keep listening because whether or not you feel like you have the means or resources or the proper training, you can help others take back their story. And here's how. If you have a home church that you attend, we would love to partner with you to bring the Pain to Purpose course to your church. That's right. I'm talking to you. You don't have to be a pastor or a counselor or a minister of any kind. All you have to have is a heart for other people and a willingness to walk with them on their journey. I've been on the phone this week with multiple pastors who want to launch the Pain to Purpose course in their spiritual community, but they're struggling to find the right facilitator to guide the group discussions. I wonder if your church would launch the course in a heartbeat. If someone like you approached them with both information about the course and the commitment to help launch and facilitate it. I realize this this is a big ask, but this could very well be part of the purpose and mission you're looking for on the other side of your own valley. One of the things we say a lot at Nothing Is Wasted is that your redemption story begins when you take your pain and turn it around by helping others in theirs. And this is a perfect opportunity to begin that redemption journey. You could be the pioneer behind a major healing movement at your church by launching the Pain to Purpose course, and we want to show you how. We've wrapped this course into an easy-to-implement package. Our team will walk beside you, train you, and equip you with everything you need to be our Pain to Purpose guide at your local church. If you're interested in partnering with us to bring the Pain to Purpose course to your church, we will help you with everything from how to approach your pastors to what to say to them, and even how to get them excited for the course. You'll be able to tell your pastor that it shouldn't take any additional time or effort on his or her part. All you have to do right now is this. Text COURSE to 66866. Again, that's C-O-U-R-S-E, COURSE to 66866. Pull out your phone right now and text that number. And as an added bonus, if you help us get the course launched at your church, we'll give you your choice of either free access to the Nothing Is Wasted partner program for an entire year or two free coaching sessions with one of our certified guides. Again, just text COURSE to 66866 and let's start a healing movement together. You know, I, I just wrote, wrote down something that your sister said that when you called her and said, hey, do you want to do this? And she said, no, but I feel like we have to because things like this just don't happen. Yeah. And when I look at my story, when I look at your story, when I look at so many other people's stories that we talk to, there seems to be that kind of moment in each story that, or maybe multiple of those moments, but those moments definitely exist where you are you are feeling conflicted between what you want to do, what's natural Mm. and what you feel like, you know, we all know to be God calling you to, but what you feel there's this, just this thing that is other than you, that is propelling you toward it, even though it's antithetical to what you want to do. Yeah. (laughs) Can, Can you maybe prescriptively or diagnostically, you've seen so many stories as well, why do you feel like that is? Why do we see that pivotal moment, that crossroads moment? 
because the people it seems like that don't step into the thing they don't want to do, then they never reach that greater story that that God's yeah. inviting them into. Yeah, I always say on the other side of surrender is the miraculous. Mm. And if somebody were to ask me, you know, we wrote the book and we, we when I'm now on tour talking about the book in the middle of COVID-19, <laughs> which is wild, but we're doing it. People are showing up and um, I always say to them, the number one key to accessing the greater story that God has for all of us is surrender. It's surrendering your way to his, your will to his, your, de your decisions to his, your thoughts to his. And I think that's one of the reasons that, uh, that, that, that people don't do it. They don't mm -hmm. want to surrender their control. Yeah. They don't want to surrender their discomfort. They don't want to surrender these things because they would rather it be another way. Mm -hmm. it, it makes them comfortable to live in, what they can control right. and what makes sense. But I think the, the crossroads that you're talking about is this, I mean, it's this intersection mm. of us being okay with stepping outside of our immediate reality and our immediate emotions. Yeah. Because my sister, you know, no, I don't want to go, but yeah. like this just doesn't happen. Right. Right. This doesn't just have like I I guess I and so but but so let me describe this moment for a second with my sister. It's and this because I think many people would would agree with this. Her emotions are saying one thing, yeah, and God is saying another. Yeah. The question is, are we mature enough? Are we brave enough? Mm. Are we strong enough? Are we courageous enough? Do we believe and trust enough to choose his way over our, um, our emotions? Yeah. And, that, and that is where we get stuck. And many of us, if we're honest, we let our emotions and our immediate disposition choose for us. If I were to say it in, a, in, a, in the pastoral way, we let our flesh win mm. over our spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Is it difficult? 1,000%. But the idea of sanctification and the idea of surrender and progress and development is rooted in the ability of, of, of us developing our muscle, our spiritual muscle. The idea of fasting is that we would practice denying our flesh. Yeah, yeah. Let me... All right, let, let me you know, I'm not going to eat for a certain amount. I'm not going to watch this. I'm not going to do this. I'm, and people, well, why are we fat? Well, it's because we're training ourselves to choose our spirit over our flesh. That's good. And so that's one of the things I would say, man, I think we've got to get stronger. Yeah. It's hard, but the more we can master it, the more we see God do incredible things through us. Yeah. And for us. Yeah. And that's where, you know, I feel like a lot of people look at, the story you just described and this big pinnacle climax moment where you're meeting your mom on national television, right? National television of national television, the Steve Harvey show. Like it doesn't get much yeah. bigger than that. That's not, there's not much bigger of a moment than that. But I feel like so often today we live in this culture where everybody is um, enamored by the external quote unquote victory that happens right there. The thing that happens on the stage 
But I have to imagine that that is not, that's the tip of the iceberg of what you're talking about when you're talking about a greater story, especially in terms of your own story. I have to imagine there's a lot of other victories that happen internally. If you're the character of your story, there were some internal struggles that took place all leading up to that. Yeah. Little tiny victories that you had, you know, little tiny battlefields that you went into. Uh, can you talk to me about some of those? Where were some places over the course of your journey of this reality of I was adopted and all of the implications with that, all of the different feelings that come with that? How did that begin to creep into maybe your own uh, view of yourself, your own view of God, your own identity, that sort of deal? What were the kind of small, personal, private victories that happened to really contribute to this greater story? Yeah, man, you know, um, big question. I think what I would start off with first is, you know, people love this story, the Steve Harvey moment and the whole the whole message, right? The story from the beginning to the end and kind of this culmin- it culminates on the show. They love it because for a moment, God lets them into his flow. <laughs> yeah. That's why people love it. Cause it's like, Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> right? It's like, Oh, okay. Okay. God, you pulled them out. Yeah. Like, you had them be given up. They happened to get adopted. They were raised in this middle-class family. They didn't go crazy. And then you reunited. Uh, you know, and, and like people right. get, right. it's because for a moment they feel like they can see like how God moves and how he yeah. can move and what, um, but that's, that's exciting because we get to see it. Right. <laughs> it's like, but most times, we don't understand it. And it is, it is, it is in our misunderstanding that we struggle with faith. Mm. It is in our understanding that we get uh, some of us more like we, we increase our faith, right? Yeah. It's like, okay. So people like the story because it makes them feel comfortable because they can, they can get it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but this is not how every story goes if there are ins and outs and all these other things. And, but I think, if, if, if we were to push pause on the hall, Hallmark moment mm, yeah. and jump back, we have to go to the darker periods yeah. that we don't talk about as much in the story um, that minus the happy ending, right. people may doubt God about. Right, right. And that is the, I mean, from day one, we had to make a decision to, to live out of acceptance and not abandonment from day one. Yeah. And we know this, your counselors will tell you, your psychologists will tell you, your doctors will tell you that's too young to have to make that decision. Right. Right. To have to make the decision of, okay, am I going to live? What? Yeah. Yeah, Babies what, don't it, like yeah, what three-year-old has to wrestle with that? What five-year-old has to wrestle five, with that? Yeah. Nobody had like. Yeah. But that is the decision. I think people see me and they see my sister and they go, oh, well, you know, like I think we didn't have hard times, you know. Um, we didn't, and it one, 
I have to tell them, I'm like, we didn't grow up in a rich family. So let's, <laughs> first of all, it was a uh, middle-class black in America. Like it wasn't like, um, we had, we had everything we needed, didn't have everything we wanted. It was great. Um, but with all that being said, I always tell people, we still had the same struggle yeah. as your average black family in America right. minus, or on top of adoption. Yeah. So I had to not only wrestle emotionally and intellectually with this idea of, of, of choosing every day to live out of acceptance. I not only had to wrestle with that, then I had to wrestle with the average everyday struggle that we all face. It, right. and, and not all of us are adopted. And, we, and I think many of us would say we've had hard times, right? right? I right. mean, it's like, um, so you take all that, you put it together and you get you know, kind of where we are. And so I think that that was one of the, one of the biggest wrestling with that. But I think beyond that is what, is what I is what I'm saying. Just growing up black in America, um, growing up on hip hop and having to learn right from wrong, struggling as a teenager, giving my life to Christ when I was 16. I mean, I was crazy. You know what I mean? Like it was, I, I was in your average, whatever, like people always ask me about, you know, we talk a lot about, um, a phrase yeah. that described a season right. of that took over all of our lives over the last two months, right? right. I, if I were to rephrase it, I'd say the, the liberation of black and brown people mm. in the world. Because yeah. it started in America and then Australia. And it, in other words, God took a, in my, he took a moment and said, hey, go, hey guys, we got some things we got to deal with. Yeah. Not just in America, worldwide. Yeah. People always ask me, you know, well, growing up in Atlanta, which is the birthplace of civil rights, the black Mecca, you know, what was that like? Like, and I always tell them, you know, I was aware of oppression, but it wasn't a a, a, a limitation for me. But again, back to the decision. I grew up on Auburn where Martin Luther King was born and lived across the street from the MLK Junior Center where the above tombs of MLK and Coretta sit. I grew up, I got pictures with John Lewis of my dad cutting his hair and I'm sitting in his lap, Congressman John Lewis, pictures and murals of Hank Aaron. I saw black excellence everywhere. And it taught me that I didn't have to be a victim Mm. of the reality of America, but that if they overcame, I could as well. Wow. Wow. Again, we were just talking about the everyday, the, the, push pause on the hallmark moment. What were the everyday struggles? Yeah, what's my bottom line? My, my, My bottom line of a greater story and of this story is that at the end of the day, neither, none of us can control life. Yep. We all got stuff that we, every single, whether you're rich, poor, black, white, Asian, everybody has stuff in life that doesn't make sense. And we know that as, 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 as preachers, we know that it is a result of the fall, right? right? Like, right. because until Jesus returns again, right, or yeah. comes back, we're never going to live in a perfect society. Yeah. We're always going to have issues. Life is never going to be what we want it to be. It's never going to reach this state of perfection. There's always going to be disappointment. There's always going to be letdowns. There's always going to be struggle. Yeah. The hope that we have is that we have, you're going to get me preaching, a savior, <laughs> okay. yep. right? Um, that and, and, and a comforter with us that gives us the ability to overcome. Yeah. But at the end of the day, 
What it all comes down to is what we decide right, right. for ourselves yeah. and what we want our life to be. Yeah. Okay. Right. Like I was adopted. I was yeah. abandoned. What are you going to do with it? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm black in America. What are you going to do with it? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm in ministry. What are you going to do with it? Right. Your story. My wife passed away. What am I going to do with that? And there's so many things that you could do and, and you'd be justified in it. Mm. But even in your story, which, which me and you connected with earlier, you've chosen to turn your pain into purpose. Right. But that's a choice. Right. That's it. Yep. That's it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, and the same thing with me. And so I, I think we I think we have to realize that we have a little bit more of control than we That's think yep. on what our life ultimately becomes. We can't control yeah. what happens, right? but we can control how we respond So good. and what we do with what happens. So good. When pain comes into our lives, it's easy to want to avoid it bury it, or run away from it. But if you've listened to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast for any amount of time, you would know that none of these approaches to dealing with pain actually end in purpose. Most of our guests have gone through long healing journeys that oftentimes involve counseling, which is why we've partnered with an incredible online worldwide organization called Faithful Counseling, who provides virtual counseling with licensed therapists who are certified by their state's board. If you're seeking traditional mental health counseling but would prefer hearing from a Christian perspective, Faithful Counseling may be a great option for you. Once you are matched with a counselor in 24 hours or less, you can connect with them anytime via your computer, tablet, or mobile phone, through video calls, phone calls, or even text messaging. They also have weekly group in our sessions where members can learn in a group environment with a counselor. Faithful Counseling is not a crisis line, but it can be an incredible resource in your healing journey. It costs $65 per week, and financial aid is available to those who qualify, which you can apply for during the sign-up process. To learn more, go to faithfulcounseling.com slash nothingiswasted. If you sign up through that link only, you will receive 10% off your first month of counseling for being a part of the Nothing Is Wasted family. Again, that's faithfulcounseling.com slash nothingiswasted. Now, back to our interview. One of the things we like to say is that God's inviting you to partner with him to take back your story. And I love the language of that because it puts agency back on us. God's the one that invites it. He initiates it, but he's like, Hey, you're going to have to come take part in this. Yeah. You know, there's a story in, I think it's second Samuel where David comes back to his camp and they're all of he and his men, their wives, their children have been stolen. And he yeah. asks one for the linen ephod, right? Which is the, mm. the garment of praise. And he goes to the Lord and he says, Lord, I'm just, I'm going to praise you in this really, really terrible moment, just like I have in these really high moments, but I need your wisdom and guidance to tell me what I'm supposed to do. And God says, go take them back. There's a moment where God empowers him to go take it, take them back. Yeah. And that's what I believe that he's done for all of us, where the enemy has stolen something from all of us in our stories. And God's going, hey, listen, if you'll just give me your pain 
and you put it at my feet, I will empower you and me and you together, we're going to go take it back. And that's what redemption looks like. You know, and that's, and that's what I'm, you know, that's what you're saying. Hey, we have more agency in this than we can't just sit around and expect God to just kind of do something for us to redeem our story. He's inviting us to participate with him. And so that's what you're talking about. Sam, talk to me a little bit about, you know, there's a lot of people who are listening to this. They wrestle with all kinds of identity issues from trauma in their past, adoption, sexual abuse, whatever, you name it, right? There's trauma in their past. And, and I believe that the journey that God has all of us on is an identity journey, right? He's trying to transform us from slaves to sons. That's it. Mm. Or daughters, of course. And I imagine, though, that there were some things that began to emerge in you when you met your mom for the first time. You said that there was this tangling of emotions. And later on, as you began to untangle those emotions, what were some things, if you feel comfortable sharing, what were some things that emerged and how did you begin to untangle those? How did you begin to kind of reattach your, your identity in Christ after experiencing some of those emotions? You know, bro, we had a moment after, well, really before the show that I think you'll enjoy. Um, we're backstage with my parents and my sister, my twin sister. And my twin sister has this breakdown, mm. right? This is before we know um, that we're gonna meet anybody, right? Mm. Like we know that there's a, a potential chance that right. it's gonna happen. So she breaks down and runs into like the, what if they don't want us mm. and crying her and my dad kind of get into an argument. She storms out and a psychologist is on set that they've had come. The psychologist takes us back to the back. He says, both of y'all come here. He says something to her. I'll never forget. Ooh, and this is to your question. He says, listen, no matter what happens today, what you came in here with, you're going to leave with. No matter what happens, you came in loved. You came in accepted. Wow. You came in smart. You came in chosen. Wow. No matter what happens today, none of that will change. Mm. You will still be you and you'll still be loved. Wow. And so for me, that has anchored me through this whole process. That no matter what the reunification process is like, which we text and we, I mean, Facebook and, you know, it's right. fine. But it does not impact who I've already become. Yeah. Because God built something on the inside of us on purpose right. through our parents for us to be anchored. Mm. And now that I love what he said, that anchor in Christ, it never went anywhere. Yeah. So it, so there wasn't this moment of let me replace something with something else. Yeah. It was, this is my story. This is who I am now. Let me take this new information, this new knowledge and sprinkle it into the story where, where it's necessary. Yeah. Yeah. And leave the stuff that isn't. Mm. And so that's what I always say to people. I, I think it's so, people ask me, you know, when, if they got adopted kids, you know, what, you know, about reuniting and when should they, and I always, people, some people disagree, some people don't. I always say, make sure they're ready. Mm. Make sure they have a proper foundation yeah. 
so that when their emotions are rocked and they will be, that's good. Yeah. They don't lose who they are. That's yeah. Because they're anchored, but yet that only like at 12, I wouldn't know what to do, <laughs> you know? Yep. So yep. regardless, make sure they're ready, shore them up and, um, mm. and they'll be okay. So Man. that's me, bro. Man. Well, Sam, you're carrying this message. You've written, you've written this book. You're traveling around. You're speaking it. People are showing up in the middle of COVID. What do you see as kind of like your your life mission now out of all of this? Yeah, I think um, there are several things. One, me and, my, me and my wife are planning a church next year. Oh, cool. Um, which is which I'm sure you could give me some advice on because you've done that. <laughs> yeah, I can give you advice on how not to do it. That's about it. <laughs> tell you all the failures, all the mistakes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I like so that's that's a part of the story. You know, I, I think I think ultimately it's helping everyone um, access the greater story that God has for them. Ultimately, which is purpose and significance. But I think that overall, specific to this story. And really what I was saying, I mean, I think that God, I'll, I'll do two things for the rest of my life. I say this now and then God makes, <laughs> then he, he makes he like, always, it always works that way. Right. <laughs> right. Right now, what I feel like he's shown me, yeah. I'm going to give my life to two things, the church and helping people, you know, on a, the local church, helping the local church be the hope of the world. Yeah. Period. And then I want to come alongside the church on a global level very similar to what you're doing and help people specifically discover their greater story. In oh, other words, great. it's like the purpose driven life yeah. for millennials, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, millennial, <laughs> the millennial version. Yeah. And anybody that's of any age can partake, but I feel really called to helping people. And when people read the book, my story is about, I mean, my story is a lot about half of it, but it's half teaching, half story but so much of it we we is helping people connect the dots between you talked about okay cool we hear this hallmark we hear that you've gone on to do these things but you don't just become right an industrial engineer Overnight. you don't just become yeah. reach like god you have to learn so we spend so much time going here's how you in the midst of your mess yeah take leverage your mess to turn it into a miracle and a That's message great. and allow for God to work because God's not a genie just up there. We have a part to play. So we right. help people play that part. That's it. And a very tangible, hardworking, mm -hmm. strategic way, mm -hmm. which involves a heavy amount of discipleship and the renewing of the mind. Mm -hmm. I could preach for three days on it, but <laughs> in the book, we outline it. We don't have time That's today awesome. to fully unpack it. But if, if, if I'll say this, if there's anyone out there trying to discover their greater story, their God given purpose, or even trying to build it, having a struggle with it mm -hmm. or trying to find purpose in the pain yep. the, that the book is for you labored for three years to write. Wow. Wow. So that's what I'd say. That's awesome, man. Well, I want to encourage everybody who's listening to this, pick up the book. It is uh, unbelievable. And Sam, your podcast, what's it called? You have a podcast. A Greater, a greater story. story. There it is. So it's very easy, very accessible for everybody. We'll make sure we put all that stuff in the show notes. And uh, Sam, we just, I'm, I appreciate the time you've taken with us, man. It's just been awesome to get to know you a little bit. Davey, you're the man. You got my number now. It's on. 
Let's connect. <laughs> Sounds great. Um, Sounds great. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. When I'm down in the Atlanta area, we'll definitely we'll definitely hit you up. Let's go. Well, I, I I get you some of that Southern cooking. Oh, phew. I'm ready for it. I grew up in Birmingham, Alabama, so I'm ready to get back in it. <laughs> uh, uh, Sam, thanks so much, man. Appreciate you being with us. Thank you, bro. That was an absolutely incredible episode. I love Sam Collier. Yeah. It, the story of what God did through his life has is doing through his life. And I mean, just even the way that he found his birth mother is nothing short of miraculous. Crazy, crazy. Yeah. Man, I mean, you went back and watched that. I'm sure so many other people are going to watch yeah, that I as did. well. But it's just, and and he's the kind of guy that just gets you fired up. You know, when you That's sit and right. talk to him, you just start getting your juices going. You're like, oh yeah, you want to go take on the world for Jesus. You know, it's it's so great having that conversation. So with him. inspiring. Yeah. Hey, I want to thank Sleeping at Last for providing the music for the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. You can find his music anywhere you listen to music. You can rate and review us on iTunes. We would love for you to do that. It's a way for us to continue to put content in the world that uh, blesses you and a way for the rest of the world to know more about the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. So go ahead and do that right now. Yes. And if you would submit your story to us, we love hearing stories. We love reading stories. We have a platform where you can write your story out so that other people can read it. Nothingiswasted.com slash stories. And we'd love to feature those. While you're doing all of that housekeeping, go follow us on Instagram. Nothing is Wasted Ministries. You can follow me at Davey Blackburn and follow Aubrey at Obsamp, A-U-B-S-A-M-P. Next week, Aubrey, we have a conversation with Dawn Barton. And Looking forward to that. Yes. And um, man, she's she's spunky. She's one of those. Yeah, she is. She's one of those people that, man, you just when you get around her, you just like, oh, you get really excited. Feel energized. Feel energi- yeah. Exactly. And so it's a it's a really great conversation. I can't wait for you guys as the listeners to hear this. So why don't you listen to this little clip from my conversation with Don Barton? I had many months of chemotherapy, um, which is the part that makes you. You lose all of your hair. And I actually lost all of my fingernails and my toenails. Wow. And it was just, a, I, I looked horrible. You lose all the coloring. You're taking steroids. So you're b- a blowfish and, mm. you know, um, but I had had several months of chemo. Then I had a mastectomy and where they cut off my right breast. And then I, I was going into radiation and radiation was supposed to be the, the easy part, really easy. My oncologist said, Oh, this is, it'll be, you have to have 37 rounds. You have to go every day for <sighs> months, but you, it's going to be the easy part. I'm like, great. Okay. I got this. I go in to have radiation. I sit down, I put on the, the gown and uh, sitting across from me as a woman who is, um, I'm guessing in her fifties, her face was full of color. She had all of her makeup on and her hair was thick and, you know, colored and looking great. And so I say that because I knew that she had not just gone through tons of chemotherapy yeah, yeah. and she said, is this your first time? And I said, yes, it is. And she said, oh, well, your first seven days, they're okay. But after that, it's awful. It's so bad. I'm like, oh my gosh, he lied to me. My oncologist told me, oh my gosh. So the next day I go in and sitting across from me is the most frail, pasty white, thin, precious elderly woman. And she looks at me and she's asked the same question. She said, is this your first time? I said, no second. She goes, oh honey, this is nothing. This is the easy part. This is going to be so easy for you. 
And I, it, it just hit me. One chose to spread joy yeah. and love and kindness. And one chose to just suck the, you know, make her words a heavy, worse thing for somebody else. Right, right. And I've never forgotten it. 